my name is Garrick. Hi, my name is Derek. And you're listening to episode 30 of Are We Rolling? Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about Christopher Nolan because uh, in light of Tenet's release, uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about him and then we're going to do like a non-spoiler review of uh, of the movie we'll, yeah, that we'll, Eric and we'll, I have just saw. We'll and you know, boy, do we have a lot of thoughts about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but first, we're just going to talk about what we think about Nolan, you know, about his past work. And uh, yeah, just, uh, well, I guess... Gauge how we yeah feel about him. Right? Yeah, I mean, okay. Let's start with the one simple question. What's the first film do you remember that you are familiar with his name? The the first film that you have seen, like the first in, film of yeah, his. If you remember, uh, it would probably be Memento. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah. like way back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I in my case, I'll probably say like uh, it would be almost similar to everyone else's. I think it's the Dark Knight. You know, okay. That, I think that's the what that was about like two thousand six, two thousand eight. I think if I remember correctly. Wait, is that um, is that the first film of Nolan that yes, you've seen? Yes, yeah, yeah. Before that, I was aware that you know there's a guy named Christopher Nolan and and all that, and I've never actually uh, seen Memento prior to that. I've you know I know that he has you know he has a small budget film following, which followed by Memento, and then he did a. Uh, Icelandic remake thing with Al Pacino, you know, Insomnia, and uh, you know, where he's slowly weaving his name into you know, Warner Brothers' big blockbuster remake of like superhero genre. You know, he started with uh, Batman Begins, and then Dark Knight was really the one that, that, like, the whole planet kind of know who he is because you know of how commercially successful, how critically well, so well received that film is. So, I watched that film and I was like. Like everyone else was like thoroughly impressed, and uh, and I slowly going back to his old archive of films and and all that, and then and then he's a solid solid filmmaker, you know, the guy who really knows what he's doing and and all that. So it's you know it's it's which yeah we'll 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 come to talk to him about more about how how his stylistic directorial thing has mm. changed over the years and uh, his the themes he likes to explore. The kind of uh, you know filming techniques, you know practical effects and filming techniques, and the frequent collaborators that you always work with, and and why I will try to get in as much as possible about why he's like the most profitable, most bankable movie directors in the last mm, decade. Yeah, I, would I say. guess you could say so. Yeah, yeah. because I like, really, I mean, when I'm thinking about, it, I really couldn't place any film directors mm. that has had that much of a stature right next to Nolan himself. You can, you can only think back of all the big ones like Ridley Scott and Spielberg and mm. Tarantino to some degree, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he writes his own screenplays as well, yeah. so his work Alongside is basically his, his original brother. work. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, before we dive deep into yeah. like his history and all that, <clears throat> let me give you a few fun facts about Nolan that I found, okay? So the first one, he always has a flask of hot Earl Grey tea with yep. him. So anytime, <laughs> anytime he's on set, he always has that beverage with him. I, I I read that when I was in, like still in college. I was like, oh yeah, that's the magical elixir. So that, that, that just shows how British he is. He <laughs> yeah. always drinks his tea. Yep. Um, the second one, he never attended film school. Yes. Um, he actually wanted to be a filmmaker since eleven. He was eleven, and then he started working in editing, and then he did uh, like camera operating, sound recording, uh, and directing corporate and industrial videos. So that's kind of how he started. Yeah, yeah. he learned the craft all by himself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the old school way, like, you know, yeah. doing film school and then really uh, reading through the books and really getting in down and dirty with the mm. cameras and editing and, and the craft of storytelling. You know? Yeah, uh, and he also, he took 10 years to write Inception. Huh. He, he wanted to make a film about dreams uh, when he was young. So I'm guess he I'm guessing he had the I, idea all along. I, I remember he it's you know Inception has this thing whereby you know he came up with the idea you know the heist thing comes later but then the effect of like this whole daydream um uh, what was the word uh, uh uh the 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 concept where you can control yourself in the dream and that kind of thing it always comes yeah that's a word for yeah, it. I yes, have to see yes. the face when I think about it I, I'm, and, yeah yeah and then, I remember and then he it. said you know he always took naps when he was still studying and then he always like snap in and out of like. Uh, when, while he was dreaming and then thinking like, oh, am, am I might wait. He t- there's a few seconds there of like, oh, am I still dreaming or am I still, you know. So he has that thing in his back pocket for like so, such a, such a long time. And then 
and then you know inception happened later which we'll slowly talk about it mm-hmm. and, uh yeah. want me to give you another fact yep um he wrote a howard hughes biopic yes. movie yes. uh 15 years ago and he yes. wanted he wanted jim carrey to star in it i but the sad thing was um a little known director called martin scorsese yes. uh came up with the, the aviator, aviator yeah, with, with caprio and so you know with whom he eventually worked with yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but you know, so Scorsese kind of beat him to the punch yeah, for yeah. for making a, a Howard Hughes movie, and yeah. then um, he only ever uses two outfits on set, <laughs> one for cold weather and one for hot weather. Oh, <laughs> yes. I, want, I wonder which is the hot. I mean, everybody so, could so imagine what's the, the cold, cold weather, weather. He always has a the, trench the long, coat. Yeah, long trench coat. And the trench coat, um, there's a space in the pocket. For him to keep the flask of hot Earl Grey tea. That's a very useful. Thing. Yeah. Okay. And oh, then yeah. for hot weather, I'm guessing he just has something a bit lighter. You know. Yeah. 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 So yeah. like he never he doesn't want to think about clothing when he's working. You know. So he yeah. can just put it on and just go to work. I remember he. Mm. I remember I read somewhere that he's partially inspired by like you know Alfred Hitchcock wearing coats as yeah, well. You know, yeah. Yeah. Wearing like yeah. shirt and tie like you know uh, blazers and stuff mm. like on set because you know it's the. Um, Is the discipline act of like waking up every morning and working. You know, mm-hmm. you dress up to your best and and you head off to work and knowing that you know your mindset is fixed on whatever that you're crafting on that day. So it, it instills him this really, uh, some would say, very strict regime kind mm-hmm. of a thing, so that he would just stick to the one thing, the 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 formula thing that he always wanted. What kind of drinks he likes to drink, what kind of wear, and then so yeah, he yeah. wouldn't be distracted by anything else but his work. You know, mm. it's. He's part of that old school directing yeah. uh, circle. The yep. uh, the last fact is that he doesn't own a <laughs> cell phone or an email address. That, I, okay, I find it very hard to believe. I saw that fact somewhere yeah. as well, but I find it really, really hard to believe. But for someone hey, like him, I wouldn't, you know, think it'd be, be weird. You know, like I, he's the type that type of guy that would still type on the typewriter. Yeah, use a typewriter, <laughs> and then uh, you know, if you want to get to him, you actually have to like call him or like get through his people or get, get through his people go through his wife because you know his, his wife, wife yeah. uh, Emma Thomas was like his what his uh, frequent collab- uh, producer yep. you know yep. in all his films um, But, yeah long, long time producer and partner for basically all yeah. his films so. and then he has this whole well, we'll get to the how he he produces his film because there's you know there's this whole bit where like you know during pre-production he would be like he, he would send the script personally to the cast and crew mm. like he would send it to the to the to the cast that he would like to work with and who he already confirmed for the film and then he would have them locked in a room while they read the script for like one hour two hours straight and then he would he would then take back the script back home with himself there's no another copy of the film yeah. so he really only holds the singular copy of the script yeah i so- find that you know i find that really I find it really endearing in a way because it's it's a you know it's a very he's, yeah he's it's very old school kind of a practice of like uh uh you know very uh safely guarded your own creation your own art and and to that degree which some might find a bit nauseous like he's he's built that reputation of like he's re- really taking the term private and confidential to like the, the maximum yeah. level and who Andy is man yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of like Tarantino also in a way. Yeah. Uh, I think he invites people to his house yes. to read scripts as well. Yep, yep, yep. And then he takes it back and yes. yeah, like they don't share anything about it. Which is why Nolan has this um, reputation of being a director that makes very big set pieces movies now with mm. very plot heavy secrets. E- yes. yes. And yes, yes. yeah, it sort of has become his, his, like, his journey yeah. as a filmmaker. So... Now let's summarize a bit about his career. He has made about ten-ish film. Tenet is his eleven film. You know, I'm I'm counting this from following, of course. You know, mm. bef- uh, before following, he made about two or three short films. Doodle one of which, Doodle, yeah, Doodle Block. <laughs> I've seen Doodle Block. Like you can still search it on YouTube yep, and stuff. Yep. And then he he made like two other short films, and then he made Doodle Block, and then he made. Uh, following, you know, so following. He made following, and then memento. Yeah, following. Let me see if I get this correctly. Uh, following memento, and then he followed with insomnia. Insomnia. Then he did uh Batman Begins. Batman Begins. Yeah, Batman Begins. Then, uh, then he did. Was it uh, the prestige? Prestige, I think. Prestige. He, he did the prestige comes after Dark Knight or before Dark Knight? I yeah, yeah. Again. And that's Dark Knight, and Dark Knight. of course the uh, Inception, Inception happens after, and then Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight Rises and then you have Interstellar, Interstellar, which then ended with Dunkirk. Dunkirk, and yeah. then Tenet. And then Tenet now. Yeah. Yep. Ins- Insomnia was interesting because Insomnia was the first time he worked with Warner Brother. You know, Warner Brother were really the first one was like you know their decision was to remake this like unknown Icelandic 
Danish film, I think. It's a Danish film, I think, of the same name. Uh, and they tapped this like unknown director who just came out of like Sundance having this like one breakout movie titled Memento that came out of Sundance and then people like Steven Soderbergh rave about Memento you know every every known filmmaker that we know now who are like this had like reputation of like really really uh, good caliber of like directors and they always rave about how Memento, you have to watch Memento and all that stuff and then Warner Brothers tap him up and then Insomnia kind of like performed quite okay in the box office and then we entered the superhero comic adaptation phase of Hollywood whereby, you know, Marvel hasn't happened yet. You mm. know, Marvel has had like Spider-Man films with uh, uh, Sam Raimi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Early 2000, 2001, 2002, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Sam Raimi was doing his thing. Then you have like, on the other side, Guillermo del Toro was doing Blade. On the other side, you know, you have oh, that whole, all right, right. superhero films and then, um, um, you know, Kevin Feige tried to uh, produce this little thing called Iron Man and then the rest as we know is history but we won't of course dive into that but at around the same time Warner Brothers tried to adapt um, try to remake I think at the time that was the word Batman so they're trying to like after the failure of like Batman and Robin of like you know the old Batman movies and some still really like I mean I really like some of the old films and then they try to uh, tap Nolan into adapting giving it this like a darker edge to it you know this like a darker take realistic gritty take which is like a really overused word is this into this very well-known character you know and then as we all know and then we know what happens with Batman Begins and then Dark Knight kind of like I think Dark Knight was the really the one um, <clears throat> he propelled his name into what like Hollywood highest stature, you know, he worked with Heath Ledger and then it was partially because of Heath Ledger, you know, Heath Ledger's breakout performance as a Joker and then as you know it, the film kind of like gained this like huge clout and then uh, and then post Heath Ledger's death and then there's a lot of things revolve around Dark Knight so and um, and then the Dark Knight sells really well, you know, crosses over one billion dollar and and as we move forward, you know, it's it's insane, it's an insane, insane, insane career actually when we look back at what Nolan has done in the past like decade or so. Yeah, um, when I when I think about Nolan, um, I whenever I think about Nolan, the first word that comes to mind now today is IMAX. That's like the first yeah. word I think about because the scale of his movies uh, today, um, I think the. Uh, thinking of IMAX, it just shows the how larger than life the, yeah. um, his movies are um, to the point where you feel like you're watching a worldly movie. That's why yeah. uh, when you when Nolan movies are distributed all over the world, you know you see a lot of people sort of gravitate towards them. It's an experience, lah. You know, it's, it's a cinematic. It's, yeah, it's really know? like. Yeah. An experience, kind of like when you go when you go to an amusement park, it kind of feels like that when you watch one of his movies. It's like yeah. you can't believe the things you're seeing, yeah. and then you know how much um, he loves using practical effects yeah. that um, it seems very real. Um, especially, yeah, yeah. especially for like Interstellar as well. You know, yeah. like it looks like gorgeous, but also like out out of this world. You've never seen something like that. And um, yeah, I think that's sort of the rep- the sort of the reputation he's built upon now mm. from his like smaller little movies back then. Yeah. Um, but I do wish that he would go back a bit to the, the smaller, the small movies. scale yeah, yeah. movies. Yeah, the more <laughs> intimate ones. But uh, we'll talk more about it as well I've, because I've read we're gonna, we're gonna review well, yeah. uh, about Tenet. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Especially what? after Tenet, because, after Tenet. because I've seen some people share the sentiments but like, yeah, I wish he'd gone back and made smaller films now, now that he has made like as big of a movie. Well, we'll, we'll get to that part later. But yeah, I mean, coming back slightly to IMAX camera, you know, prior to him using it to the maximum degree, IMAX was, people don't really use IMAX camera for films. And there's a reason for it, you know, because it's like this bulky giant machine which runs really loudly. Yes. It's not it's not conduce it's not practical on, on movie sets. You can't run movie dialogues and stuff. But uh I've heard over the years they have uh, they have perfected almost there, perfected onto like a really compact version of IMAX. But yeah, I mean Nolan, you know, the whole reason his relationship with IMAX is that he wanted to make movies as big as they can 
on a louder sound as they can. He really wants to bring back to the to the fact that you know cinema is like this place. You know, like you said, it's an amusement park. You go, you went in with very little knowledge or anything. You know, which regards to his how he cuts his movie trailers and how he reveals movie plots on his like press screenings and all that. Like when he's doing his marketing of his film, and you have very little. I mean, to enter Nolan's film, you have very little knowledge of what's really going on with his film. And in the best experience possible, you know that's, that pretty much is what Chris Nolan's films, you know, uh, cinema experience is all about in the last few years. And we would choose to do so, you know, we would shelve out extra money to watch it in IMAX, knowing that the hype is real, mm. or hopefully the hype is able to, uh, you know, stand the the the, the anticipation of it. And um, he has garnered that kind of reputation, and in and he has not been an overnight thing, I would say. You know, he has slowly working on working on that thing since. You know, from shooting one or two singular scenes in IMAX in Dark Knight to working on a full-blown, what I heard from Tenet was like almost 90% of the film in IMAX. It's incredible. I mean, you're looking at like 10 or 15 years of like uh, this blossoming relationship with him and film cameras and large formats. Mm. And his uh, collaborators are able to withstand that as well. You know, his production designer is always the same guy. Uh, Nathan Crowley, I think his name is. And, uh, you know, he has worked with Wally Fichter, you know, the cinematographers and Hoyter as well mm. on, on Tenet and Dunkirk as well. They all kind of understood the kind of vision and expectation he brings to the table. So it's, it's, it comes with that kind of reputation. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, something tells me he's a really good guy on set, but <laughs> I would really love to well, know. I haven't well. heard any complaints yet. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's also a big advocate <clears throat> of celluloid exactly. film. So he really likes the traditional look of a yeah. film, you know. Let's does, keep Kodak in business yes, kind of a thing. Yes, because of him and because of people like uh, Tarantino as well, yeah. um, of uh, as well. Paul Thomas Anderson, you yep. know, they want to keep film alive because, you know, it's, 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 they're like the romantics of the, ro- the movie yeah, yeah, yeah. era, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the, the greens of yeah, the film, yeah, the, the, yeah. It, the, the, the particles, yeah. you know, it makes it seem just very cinematic. Yeah. yeah. So they, you haven't seen them gone to uh, digital yet, I think. N- none of the filmmakers we mentioned just now have gone yes. to film. Yeah. Has gone to, not even, even Paul Thomas Anderson, not even... I mean, Spielberg, me or me. Spielberg not, probably has already. Yeah, Tarantino uh, has not. Yeah, even Tarantino... Notoriously has not gone into, into even digital. Even Tarantino shot uh, his last movie on an 80mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a large format, 75. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like the old days of Ben-Hur. Crazy, insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, lens, lens retrofitted from the old days. You know, yeah. you're talking about that kind of a geeky shit. It's like, yeah. Um, but I guess in terms of Nolan's writing, um, mm. it's people would classify him as a as a. Yeah, as let's a, show some of the worst I've been accused of. As like, a plot machinist. Yeah, yeah. He loves a really good plot. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. you. Like you a could, very tightly constructed one. Yeah. Like I mean, you, the the kind of thing you would know, and then you come on the other end, you won't even question whatever thing mm. because you know the experience will be fulfilled. Yeah. So it's a very plot A, B to C to D kind of a what's happening. Well, if if I if I think we were to explain to people how how he writes, I would I imagine <laughs> like a, a big whiteboard. Yeah. And then the title of the movie is in the center and then you see arrows just moving all over the place yep. pointing to like different sections and scenes of the movie and you, you would get lost just looking at it. Yep. You know, but it only o- makes sense to him. Only Nolan no- can understand and uh, be able to tell you what it's exactly about. Isn't, isn't there like a, a, a famous black and white photo of him writing on a, on a, on a, on a cut on a, on a signboard that is like that is supposedly for mementos brainstorm session. Yep, yep, yep. There's, yeah, a graph, like, there's a graph for it. Yeah. There's a graph for it. And then he even explained like in the script, there's like the small section of diagram underneath the script actually explain how you should read the script, whether you should read it backward and the way the pages are printed and how the pages are colored to represent certain timeline that you're reading as opposed to whatever you... It's it's jigsaw puzzle like this mm. that kind of like even he has balls to do that even from his first major film you know Memento was like the first film that people actually gave him money to do so you know and um, yeah I, I, I'm really curious of how you know people's reaction like Guy Pierce and Carrie Ann Moss reaction when they actually read the script and mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure all the cast and crew at this moment they are game to work with Nolan and they kind of know like okay I'm, I'm in this world I'm gonna 
gave my whatever I have to fulfill his vision kind of a thing. Mm. And you know, it really speaks to his testament like how he's one of the very few filmmakers that able to do that. You know? Yep, like yep. he's you know, he's always uh, famously mentioned like you know, he always he's the only guy who can walk into Warner Brothers office and came out with 250 million in his pocket and able to do whatever the hell he wants because Warner Brothers trust him that much especially after Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a way, he's kind of like the perfect director for a Bond film, which yes. he hasn't done yet. <laughs> uh, which he has expressed that he likes, yeah, he yeah, loves yeah. James Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, we'll see what growing happens up with British, that. Yeah. yeah, growing up British, I, I can't imagine he doesn't love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 yeah. I would love. I still would love after Tenet, after the fact that we have seen Tenet, I would still love to see him tackling Bond. But I don't think. Franchise. I don't think franchises is another thing that he would want to dip his feet into. Again. Again, yeah. Especially after, I think there was like this whole very vocal opinion on like how he really doesn't want to do with this deal with this like huge franchises after Batman. You know, mm. Batman kind of took a huge chunk of his life, and he gave his he gave it his everything to, in order mm. to fulfill that vision, and rightfully so, I guess. Should we then move on to Tenet? Yes. Okay, yeah, so yeah. for uh, everyone <coughs> listening there, uh, we're going to do a non-spoiler review. But even yeah. when we say that, you're going to hear very little spoilers because to be honest, Derek has watched it how many times now? Uh, twice. Okay, right so now. Derek has watched it twice. I've watched it once. Mm. But I think our level of understanding of this movie is basically just on the same level right now. Not on the same level as Nolan intended, I think. <laughs> yes. So, okay. First impressions of the movie. Yeah. What should do you we, think? Should we try to describe what the film is about? Uh, nah, they know what the movie is. <laughs> Because, I mean, like, you know, whenever we're uh, reviewing films, right? Tenet is one of those films that is very difficult to even give plot description. Yes. I mean, the bare bone of it is... Uh, Um, you know, uh, uh, an operative. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give, I'll give like a very bad bone given by Warner Brother in right. the uh, in the thing. You know, it, it says like pro, uh, uh, an operative name, uh, very weirdly named like quote unquote uh, protagonist played by John David Washington, is being recruited by this organization called Tenet, and to which then he, he, he has the knowledge to stop a uh, a uh, a rich corporate. A Russian lord kind of a thing uh, in order to save the world from World War Three, that kind of thing. That is literally in in every printed media marketing thing. You know, you would see all those words, and you still have no idea what the heck it's about. Okay, yeah. Arm um, and arm with like one teaser trailer and two final trailers, and that's the kind of knowledge you have prior to walk into the cinema. You know, that kind of thing. Okay. Um. I think Derek that did his best to describe yes. what the movie is. I don't think I can do any better. Yeah. Um, but what are your first impressions overall in general after you've seen it like twice now? Um, I'll I'll admit the first time I've seen it, um, once the once the credit rolls and the music plays and all that stuff, I had a very very mixed reaction. Like you couldn't have any mix of a reaction than this. Um, some parts of it I really admire that. You know, I really admire like every Nolan movies. I really admire the uh, set pieces, the action sequences that he made. Um, I partially fueled by expectation and anticipation. You know, you know, you know, prior to walking the movie, you know that he crashed a seven four seven for real for the film, and then you know they film in like a, a car chase highway for real, and then you heard words like time inversion being thrown around and all that stuff, and then you keep wondering like you know from the things you've seen in trailer, you're wondering how it's gonna play in full. How 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 a, a, a high concept terms like this is gonna play in full, and I really like all that. I mean, I really like I I you know I like the cast. I thought I thought the ensemble is really casted really well. John David Washington is really good. Robert Pattinson is really good. Elizabeth Debicki is really good. Kenneth Branagh is really. Good. I mean, all these names are like these big names um, playing this larger than life kind of characters playing in this like huge canvas of like this. Spy espionage thing is basically he's you know it's basically Nolan's very high concept version of James Bond. You know he already done his James Bond. You know that's why I don't think. Uh, but I would still love to see his traditional take. But it's Tenet is another example why he won't go traditional. You know he won't go the traditional um, good guy save the world from bad guy the world being safe. You know he he's not you know the good guy gets a girl kind of thing. 
this is basically his like a very complicated version of that of of a James Bond film. You know, playing with time and um, uh, you know, uh, what else? You know, action scenes and 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 you know, good guy. That's bad guy. That's a world at stakes and and all that. It's yeah. I mean. Look, I mean, I, I, even right now, I'm still thinking about the plot. I'm still thinking about does it even make sense? Which is the um, the problem I have with the film. Some would say it's a bit too complicated to follow. You know, I've heard similar sentiments being thrown around. How the film is like genuinely complicated, even in its like two hour and a half mark of like people sat through the thing, and then they're they're the the ability they're able to digest the information being thrown at them, and then they quickly disperse as they move on to the next scene at breakneck uh, break pace and all that. And they have trouble keeping up with him. And I have to admit, I have trouble keeping up with some of the scenes. I have trouble keeping up with what is unfolding in front of me sometimes. But uh, I think one of the lessons in, in entering that film is that you just have to kind of like don't think too much of the plot. You just kind of like have to let that bit go of like overanalyzing like who is right, who is wrong, whatever, whatever stuff. And just go with it, and you'll come out of it enjoy for the most part. I would say, you know, because the film is really still damn good to look at. You know, you can't you can't deny the fact. You know, it's soundtrack really well. Uh, although I have do have a bit of issue with the sound mixing as well. Um, it's uh, it's big, it's loud. It's is it a movie that's safe? Uh, cinema in the summer? I don't think so. You know, but we'll get slightly more into that. But yeah, it's. My general opinion is of that. I think it's very, very mixed to good reaction. I would say. I mean, I, I still appreciate this kind of film for it to exist mm. in cinema. You know. So you you still lean more on liking it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, as for <coughs> me, um, I I I I like to say not like to say, but like um, I believe that I am smart enough. Um, I've seen enough movies in my life yeah. that uh, you know when certain <clears throat> things come up, and then you know I can kind of tell what's gonna happen and stuff like that, and I can keep up as well. When I saw this the first time, I I find myself struggling very hard to yeah. keep up with what the character, the main character, is doing. Yeah. Um, I hear a lot of words. I hear a lot of things like. Oh, do you know about this thing in another country? Do you know about yes. this? Yeah. And the character's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what is that. <laughs> no one is saying anything to explain it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so plot-wise, I, I got really lost in it. But mm. even then, um, my powers of catching up couldn't catch up with me. Correct. Yeah. And the I think the biggest downfall that and uh, everyone will be saying about this is that, it, like you said, it's too complicated. Mm. Um, whether if it's on purpose or if it's... Oh, it is most definitely intense, on purpose. <laughs> or like, you know, either we are not smart enough, you yeah. know, you can have all these kinds of arguments. But I, for me personally, if I am lost in what the movie is doing, then mm. it sort of takes me out of it mm -hmm. already. Um, other than that, uh, all the big set pieces, especially the especially the action <coughs> parts, they are amazing to see. Um, Nolan knows how to amplify action mm, to like mm. the next level, to like Mission Impossible mm. level. Um, the scenes of the bungee jumping, mm. the big plane scene, the car chase. Uh, I really like the opening scene though. I mean, now watching it the second yeah. time, I really really like the opening uh, scene. The opening scene. The uh, siege uh, at the opera house. Yeah. Yes, uh, I told I told you I told you uh, when I uh, I told you this yesterday I think or yeah, 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 um, yeah. that the the moment the opening scene it's, played it's, yeah. uh, for some reason I thought Bane was gonna come out <laughs> it just sort of felt that way you know? it's almost like subconsciously yeah. like following you know what Dark Knight is it happening yeah yeah um, besides that the cast was okay I feel yeah, yeah. they were they were good um, John David, David Johnson, John yeah. David Washington carries the film pretty decently. Yeah. Um, I could see him as like a future a future action star as well. Um, oh, yeah. everyone else was good. Uh, Robert Pattinson, the Bicky Brenner, some cameo from uh, Michael Caine. He, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He literally has one scene. <laughs> is yeah. that just to give you more plot? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, and then 
this line from uh, Clemence Posey. Yes. And she said, uh, don't try to understand it. Yeah. Just feel it. It's almost a very... Oh my God. You know, it's every, a very tongue-in-cheek thing because yes. it's sort of like, like Nolan yeah, telling Nolan you, you know. Nolan is really, really playful. Just don't, under- don't, don't try to understand the plot, you know. Just feel yeah. the movie. It, it's almost... Look, I mean, even after years of like his uh, stature as a movie director in pop culture, you know, how people understand that his film is deliberately confusing and you don't even, you don't even need to go until Tenet. You know, you have the similar criticism being drawn to films like Inception. You know, Inceptions are too complicated. You know, dream within a dream within a dream. I don't know which levels are we in and then I'm just going to fall through. You know, you, I've, I'm hearing similar criticism to Tenet that were applied to, uh, to Inception like, you know, all those years ago. Um, albeit, I still off the opinion Inception is slightly much better but again, you know, it's not really competition between all his film. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he has garnered that kind of reputation of like, people know, knowing his films are complicated and they like him for it. You know, it's very much like divided two camps of like, one people really appreciate what Nolan is doing and they, I see what you're doing, that kind of a thing and, and I'm still going to like, try my best to understand your brain while the other side of the camp like, completely like, why it has to be this complicated? Why it has to be that, that you know, that's an easy way of navigating through that kind of thing. And I, yeah, you know, we can keep, we can forever keep on going about how he, you know, very deliberately made Tenet very confusing or it's his own personal way of trying to tell a story in a huge canvas. Mm. But uh, I, I mean, I really appreciate those kind of line. Like, you know, you don't, you know, you don't have to understand it. You just have to feel it. You know, it's like almost Nolan kind of acknowledging, okay, I, I know, I know. I mean, I know you guys are... I, frustrating at me you know but you try to let go for this one you know for at least for this right i think part of why people would get upset is because yeah. um the expectation i feel is that it's still an action movie mm. it's still an espionage movie and if people can't even get into the rhythm of what the plot is you know it's sort of it feels like it's 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 fighting against them, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like if I know I'm going into an art house film, I know what I'm expecting, you know. There are things that I might not get, you know. It's very abstract and all, but when it's marketed as like an action film, you don't expect it to be so complicated that yeah. you're trying to like brain yourself out of uh, you know out of your body. Which which comes back to way they the the way they market his film. Sometimes you know you you. You know, like Inception, if you've seen, if you watch back like trailers for Inception, for Interstellar, for Dunkirk, even for Tenet, you don't really, you don't necessarily really know what is going on. So you're really going, he's really banking on the fact that you go into the cinema, into his films, knowing next to nothing. At least he hopes that to be, so that you would be uh, empty shell, be filled with the experience that he's about to give you. And if you're going in expecting something, which in this day and age is really, really difficult thing to do with the advent of internet and all that, you cannot not watch trailers and stuff. Um, I would still, you know, like in this case, I would still argue the final trailer that he released like a week before the film comes out reveals slightly more than I like to. That like, I knew I, I, I even gave you like what my theory is about the film, about what the film is and all that. And then it, it kind of like, colors a lot of like empty gaps in my head I was like okay okay I kind of know what the film is about now I kind of you know it's a it's a spy drama and you know it may have romance on the side and it has this it has this globe-trotting adventure thing going on but but you know they held back on a on a conceptual part of it you know the whole time inverse and 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 the way the film plays with uh, time and the way how they incorporate it into their set pieces and all that so it's it's uh yeah I mean going in cold would still be the best way to watch this film I guess I don't think it makes much difference <laughs> except of uh, also, except if you've watched the trailer you, yeah. you maybe maybe you have built that expectation you yeah. hit but either way you know you you are gonna find yourself uh, struggling uh, uh, yes. to keep up with it um but you know when we, when we talk about the story you know what do we know about it it's uh it's John David Washington, he plays the protagonist. He is uh, supposed to go on a mission to yes. get something. Yeah, he's being sent to a mission by a secret organization to yeah. basically retrieve. I mean, it's a retrieval mission. Uh, he has to steal something from someone. Yeah. Uh, in, order to pre- in order to prevent a huge catastrophe. 
Yeah, and yeah. then uh, the Kenneth Branagh's Branagh's the... uh, char- uh, character Andre Sator. Sator, yeah. Uh, this Russian yeah. bad guy comes up, and then <clears throat> he apparently owns something, something. as well yes. that uh, is able to invert time. He, right? We are going slightly more into the into the spoiler circle, but yeah, it's it's it's. To that degree, I like, mean, I would say. Bad yeah. guy has something that, you know... <laughs> bad guy has guy, something that he could wants. stop the good guy. Yeah. And, yeah, eventually the good guy able to topple. You know, that, that yeah. kind of stuff. You know how the spy genre goes. Um, yeah, I, I felt like... The, 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 the machination of the plot is really, really... I dare say it would... I, I, arguably, would be like all over the place. Mm. Like... It, it felt like it, the script, right? The words are just coming out from like a quantum physics book. <laughs> like word for word. Seeing how he actually works with the actual quantum scientists, <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't be so surprised at that, you know. Um, I, I heard Kip Thorne, you know, the, 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 uh, the quantum scientist yeah. that he worked with in this Interstellar, was the consultant for this film. I think oh, I read okay. that somewhere. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay. So he actually consults someone on in regards to the, like I say, the conceptual part of the film. Like how time mm. works a certain way like how we see it in the film although you know we would talk more about that in a, in a, in a, in a spoilery part because I really really would like to talk about yeah. it I really do not I really have my own problems with that stuff and actually a lot of people have said that Nolan um, gives uh, his characters very uh, very cold uh, yeah. you know personalities like they are just they just have like one objective in mind and then they mm. they do it and in this film it does it, kind of feel like that as well. It except feels for like very much that way. Yeah, I would except say. for Elizabeth the Bicky's yeah. uh, character, who has a bit more of a role to play around. Yeah, um, her motivation is uh, a bit more da- what down to earth, more uh, defined, uh, more defined as yeah. well. Yeah, so she's like the most, I guess, humane character. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, but um, the thing that I guess impressed me the most. Would would probably be the score actually, mm. uh, which was scored by Ludwig Göransson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy who did Black Panther. Yep, yep. And yep. I, yeah, I actually thought the score was was really good. It he has, took on um, the role. Yeah, he took on the role after Hans Zimmer left yeah. for Dune. If I if yes, I remember yes. correctly, yeah. Uh, yeah, his scores, especially during the big set pieces, uh, you hear yeah. like the, the that that like the quick kind of yeah yeah yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And then, like the pauses in between and it's yeah really it's, really hard to describe but it's a feeling that is yeah, it's a yeah, feeling yeah. i would say is very very uh 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 helpful for the mm. scene you know, it's very very vital yeah it does kind of get your heart pumping during yeah. the the big big scenes and yeah. uh, i i would expect him to do like a lot more bigger movies from oh, now yeah. on like i mean louis ronson is like one of those like like most watch composer in the last few years until now so I can't and, and right now he's one, he's really one of those composers that's really really flexible in terms of sound he doesn't really go he's not really like the Hans Zimmer type like goes for big orchestral brass and trumpets and horn section yet he has yet he has yet to do that Black Panther has those elements a bit and but then he always knows how to scale it down a bit which really speaks to his kind of like reputation for making certain sound click for certain scenes mm-hmm. and uh for certain director as well you know his stuff in in the mandalorian is still to date one of my favorite actually oh, um, it, right right the, yeah. the score that sounds very much star wars and at the same time doesn't sound like star wars at yeah, all yeah. you know that's that's a really really hard thing to do and it's in the moment you hear it you knew it's star wars but it has the thing where if you hear it separately, it can work on its own without the 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 empire of Star Wars behind it. You know, he has he has that ability to do that. So when I heard he's working with Nolan for this, it's like I I'm really excited to hear what the sound sounds like. And um, um, I like that some of the scenes uh uh, uh some of the scores in certain scenes are even played backward. I mm. think I I think it has this element of being played backward kind of a thing. So I I, yeah. I, mean, I really like that. That's a could, sweet yeah, touch. It could be yeah. yeah. Um and he even uh, he even scored for Community back then. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Louis Grunson has like a big reputation with all those like um R&B stars, you mm. know, one of which is Childish Gambino, you know, Donald yeah, Glover yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, he produces his uh, albums and stuff. So he came from that world, you know, music recordings and um really knows his way around music production and stuff. So when he's being tapped into doing film scores, it will be something very very different. I mean, mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer is more of an old school. You know, classical kind of guy came from like you know those big sounds and epic scores and couldn't be any more different from this too actually. 
So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really glad. I can't it. Can you imagine Tenet with Hans Zimmer sound actually? Because I mean, I'm pretty sure I you would I do could just still, well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it would just it would probably it'd just be a different sound, but I, I think I could still. I couldn't help but to think it, it, it could yeah. be a rehash of what he did for Inception, but it's it's, it's that as well. Um, in terms of the editing, I felt like. It was it it was previous. I felt like it was previously a longer movie, mm. and then he had to edit it all the way down. You know, because it's gonna be too long to watch it, and then because of that, it felt like every scene was just so tightly cut to the point where it just about transitioned to the next one. Mm. Where but then in some parts, it just sort of like a, it just felt like a jump cut anyway, mm-hmm. and so. The editing felt so tight. Um, it, th- there wasn't like a lot of room to breathe. Breathing room, yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no like these human moments, you yeah. know. And uh, when people, when, when there are scenes of two people talking, they're, pay- they're talking about the plot even more. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like when they're when you're not when your eyes are not seeing big action scenes, you know, your brain now has to, uh, keep up with the conversation. Yeah. With the plot and yeah, I. I mean, I don't know what else they could do, but it, it, the movie is written this way. And yeah, just when you think the plot's moving one way and then here's two people talking about something that could hint at 30 scenes that's going to come afterwards or or something that you need to remember in the back of your head in order to remember, in order to understand what's going to happen next while the current plot is still moving. You know, you have that kind of an issue ever running throughout Tenet, I would say, even after it ends. And it, it yeah, I mean... it. I have I have read similar comments and issues that you know that surrounds the same um, opinion as well about how the film is complicated and challenging to mainstream audiences and all that. But uh, I mean I don't know. I mean I still appreciate the fact that you know I I'm still glad this film was not released. You know was not released in VOD. I mean even though that's not an option by Warner Brothers' sake, I don't think they're gonna release it straight to VOD. Well, and no, in, Nolan would never let it. Yeah, yeah, and in hindsight, I don't think Tenet is one of those films like that would benefit on small screen, I would argue. I mean, all his f- films doesn't benefit on small screen, but even more so Tenet, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's the kind of film, you know, like I said, you could put up in like, uh, in in a in a in a own family theater uh, family room and everybody's gonna question each other like what the hell's happening and then it's not the kind of film that you can ever move away from you can never take your brain off a scene even for one second and then come back oh let me just grab a quick sandwich and then come back and you wouldn't catch up with whatever that you have missed in the previous scene mm. before you're being bombarded by like information that's gonna come to you in the next few like forty minutes or so it. It's a it's a task, you know. It's yes. a it's a monumental, very, very big work for your brain. You know, I even told my friend when we walk out of the cinema, I've never felt my I've never it really feels my brain is going through a workout. It's this intense workout and it's a sensation I've never had. I mean, not because of like, you know, the lack of movies and cinema due to COVID and stuff, but I don't think I've had that sense this that really mentally tiring kind of a sensation but at the same time kind of like i have no problem with the film but at the same time like i have my own problem with the film <laughs> you know what, what, what did your friends say about it um they, they have they are very very puzzled by it i mean um you know we we all still talking about it when we're in the car even you know we are, we're, we're still chatting away what happened to this what happened to that and we are all of the same opinion that none of us ever understood what the film is uh-huh. And even until when we hit back, I don't think if any one of us has formed like a solid opinion or what we think about a film. So I don't know whether that is the strength or the weakness of the film. But per did, se. did they like it? Did they? Yeah, not? I mean, we, we I mean we appreciate you know we appreciate the sight and sound of it, and um, um, I'm more of the of the liking it territory and stuff. Um, yeah. Even liking Nolan film these days will 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 get you accused of like, oh no, you're just biased of Chris Nolan movies and stuff. Because I mean, I generally really, really like uh, his films. You know, I really love Inception. I really, upon rewatching, I really like and appreciate Interstellar even more. I really like Dunkirk. You know, Dunkirk was, Dunkirk was, Dunkirk in hindsight was like less complicated than all his films actually. Even though Dunkirk still plays with like um, time jumps and, and, and non-linear storytelling and stuff. And then Tenet was like him exercising what he found 
what he found what people do not like about those kind of films and then he make it into this big gigantic ball that is Tenet that is at the same time playing around with spies and James Bond and cool gadgets and chase sequence and, and whatnot, mm. you know. So I guess people will respond nicely to those um, spectacle. But in plot device, when we're talking about stories and stuff, when you're asking them like what you what you know about the story, they'll probably give you a resounding no. Yeah. They probably like they probably couldn't even explain the film in like one or two sentences, like how we like how I kind of like struggle to explain it in like one or two sentences which uh, kind of make me worried for our spoilery talk later. So yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll try to attempt to weave our way, worm our way through the story yes. as best as we could. But I don't think at the end of the day, I don't think any of us... Look, I mean, if you if you walk into the movie and anyone said to you they really understood the film, they're really lying. You know, I'm really of the opinion that really they're really lying if they say they have understood it, if they watch it one time. It's the kind of film that for better or for worse, you will get it. I guess you would get it after the fifth time watching it, you know, you would really need to like press pause and digest information and press play again, press pause and then, or think of it, think the films in like chunks of scenes and then try to uh, Rubik's Cube your way out of, out of, out of the thing. I, I hope people will do that. <laughs> my my uh, uh, prediction is that people are going to be frustrated yeah. that they don't want to watch it anymore. Mm. Um, which... I'm sort of leaning towards that, uh, but yeah. I, but I, in general, I'm more like you as well. I do like it a bit more yeah. than an average. Um, I because you know the the quality is there, the acting is there. You know, it, it's hard to deny the, that. Yeah, the, yeah. the cinematography is great. You know, when um, all seen and done, it's really Nolan's brand. You know, like yeah. cinematography, music. He. Scenes. He he does things that not a lot of directors do, yeah. which you know is something to commend on. He yeah. he does something original every time. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a, that's, that's that's pretty much what I can say yeah. for Tenet, I guess for <laughs> non spoiler. This is one of those films I can't wait to uh, read. Uh, okay, this is one of those films that people will make diagram of. You know, like in the Inception and Interstellar, people will like draw diagrams of like, okay, uh, you enter here and then you reach here and then you get like a really full, clearer picture of what actually happened in the film. I can't wait for someone to actually create that diagram because I would really, really this is one of those instances I really, really, really would appreciate that kind of diagram. Mm. You know, you would know exactly what the hell is happening with like color-coded lines and stuff. I'm waiting for someone to create that, which I'm 100% sure someone will try to attempt to do that. And in the coming months, and you know, God bless their souls. Good luck to them. For yeah, good luck to their brain. Understanding this film, yeah. Um, you know, overall, our impression is that I think we it's are mixed. Film. We are yeah, mixed. We are mixed on it. Yeah. But we like parts of it. Yeah. That makes it a Nolan experience, a Nolan IMAX experience for me. Mm. Um, because How I, is it on I IMAX, saw it on IMAX. Yeah. I like it. I, yeah, okay. um, like I, I've always said um, you know because his movies are all very big scale so you know he's gonna travel the globe mm. and uh, every time uh, the characters go to a different location you will see like a huge uh, like drone shot yeah. of uh, a new this, place this film has like this film gone to places man I like, yeah, there's yeah. that one bit where they're gone is it like Greece or something like that where they you know they're talking on top there's a scene where two characters are talking well, on top of a isn't that Italy? I, I, I'm, I'm, not too, I'm not too sure I could be wrong I could be really wrong but it's From, like this yeah. gorgeous exotic mountainside location where you see like clouds rolling in and it's it's crazy amazing oh yeah. right right yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, happens early sure, in the film yeah it happens early in the film yeah I think was, I, from what I can gather they they went to like Italy uh, India yep. Estonia Vietnam, yeah. Estonia uh, Estonia Oslo. Estonia I believe was uh, the car chase scene where um, there's this very famous news um, covering um, that scene where they said they actually closed down that it's a main highway in Estonia yeah. that they cover up they, they closed down for 40 plus days or something in order to film that scene wait was and it 40 days? I think so I think 14 days or 40 days it's like really oh. huge chunk of time to okay, shoot okay. a scene to shoot a scene and uh, the government of Estonia actually granted them that permission because you know because I you know not much people shot in Estonia that's also one but 
Um, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of other I mean, incentives as well. I mean, when you see the road, you wouldn't even know it's Estonia. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it's <laughs> the thing, again, you can't shot in like downtown Los Angeles. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, it's one of those less busy highways kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's this, this, the globe-trotting, time-bending. This film really ticks the correct boxes for spy film, you know, mm. it's um, which I haven't seen in a long, long time, especially after, you know, um, James Bond the newest James Bond film is being delayed ever again so we won't ever we're not gonna see a similar genre film coming anytime soon so it's kind of refreshing to see his take on what a, a, you know his version of James Bond basically yeah yeah okay yeah. Um, I have, what else can we say about it uh, not pre- I mean I would still recommend people to watch this film in theater, I I would yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, it's a very still a very very strong recommendation for people to watch Tenet in cinema because it's one of those films that would benefit from big screen and definitely not from your laptop screen nor your phone screen or whatever. Mm. It's uh yeah it's it it would plot things aside is you know just go in for the experience I would say it's still very much if anything if you've never heard of Christopher Nolan before. What this, were you doing? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're one of those that have never seen his film or not familiar with films before and, um, you know, post-COVID, cinemas are opening up and Tenet pops up and you're wondering who the, like, what the hell is this film? And then if you're, you're new to him, I guess that may or may not be a good first film experience from him that if you're in a wrong camp, it might detract you from searching his older, better films. But still do give it a try. You know, cinema is still playing it right now and uh, people are still watching it. I don't think... I'm, I'm really curious if people are re-watching it because I'm on my second watch just now. Uh, the audiences are lessened. But I remember in the first... You know, I, ca- I caught it in the first... Uh, the midnight release beforehand and cinema is back. They are packed with who I assume to be uh, Nolan devotees. You know, they know who Christopher Nolan is. They know they are very familiar with his career and or people who are really just looking forward to get back in the cinema, I guess. Mm. Uh, I agree as well. Uh, <coughs> uh, prepare yourself if you do go and watch it. Mm. Um, if you don't like it, I, then I'm, you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it's a it's the biggest movie now in cinema in terms of budget and scale. You know, yeah. you know, if you go to the cinema and you're sort of risking your life a bit, you know, might as well just watch this. Yeah, Moonland's not gonna be out anytime soon, so not I guess, yet. Yeah, yeah, I guess um, that's a good alternative to have in terms of big movies. Yeah, uh, enjoy this for now. Um, I guess this is as much as we can say yeah. for the non-spoiler review. Yeah. We're going to definitely do a spoiler one uh, where huh. we will try our best to demystify the plot of the movie. Um, and or hear us on doing it on like fail to do so <laughs> because I'm really ready to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's... All in the name of good fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're definitely going to do that. Uh, do wait for it. Check it out. Um, <coughs> we will just talk about what we are looking forward to. Oh, um, okay. Can okay, I start okay. mine? It's very simple. You yeah. already know it. I, it's, it's the Batman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh. Another Robert Pattinson film. <laughs> uh, besides Tenet. Uh, yeah. But this time, he is the main character. He, um, yes. As the self-titled Batman. Um, yep. Directed by Matt Reeves. It's uh it's a new take on the the Dark yep, Knight another new take. trilogy see uh, what yeah. Bible I don't is know it what a trilogy it though it's not I mean, a trilogy it a, but yeah, yeah. I mean I wouldn't surprise it's, it's, they, they would have a sequel much, again it's very much it. divorced from whatever obviously what Nolan had done yeah and it's yeah. very much divorced from the current DCEU thing mm. that they're doing right now with Aquaman and Wonder Woman I don't think it's yeah, in yeah. the universe it's, it's its own thing yeah it's very much standalone like, like kind of thing. Yeah. yeah it's it's which is which is cool. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. I, I really like the trailer. I really, really uh, like yeah, the trailer. Yeah, trailer was cut very well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sound design, uh, music, uh, the cast of yeah. uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright. Of, Jeffrey uh, Wright, man. We know Paul D- Dano is going to be yeah. the Riddler. We know yep, yep, yep. Colin Farrell is the Penguin. We yep. know uh, Zoe Kravitz is uh, Catwoman. Catwoman. And Alfred is... Um, Andy Serkis, although, Andy he Serkis did not, right? although he did not appear in the trailer, but his, his voice, voice was, is, yeah, yeah, okay. was heard at one point. It did sound a little bit like Jeremy Irons. So I actually <laughs> thought if it was still Jeremy Irons, but maybe I, it's just a British actor. I, okay, I mean, I, I don't know I don't know what's happening but, but in DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I definitely would like to think this is a, very much a you know similar to what 
uh, Todd Phillips had done with Joker is yeah. very much like a standalone take on a Cape Crusader. And I, you know, Batman, Batman is one of those characters that is like really, I, 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 you know, of all the characters in DC, I mean, I obviously gravitated towards Batman more. Mm. My opinion of Batman is like, you know, I welcome any interpretation because he is such a one note kind of a character. You know, he's a tragic character, but his origin story and his, and his character is ripe for um, different directors' take on it. That's why, that, you know, it, it's understandable why he has, it has attracted so many directors over the years, you know, because he's such a unique character to dive into both psychologically and both mentally as well. And uh, this one in particular is will be it will be set like what during the second year of him becoming a Batman, so he's not really the high yeah. gadget Batman that we know, but oh. more is he a new post uh, his parents being killed in an alleyway kind of a Batman. He's not that as well. He's yeah, we don't, middle, you don't, probably hopefully you won't see the parents dying. Yeah, again. I I think this is a very angsty take on Batman. This is very like the trailer he, looks very dark. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. as. A lot of superhero yeah. movies are I've, doing I've, now. I've heard shades of Fincher being thrown around. You know, Fincher's are seven being thrown around. Mm. Although I don't really see that, but I do see a lot of people wanting to see like the the detective side of yeah. the of Batman. Exactly, because you hardly see it. You know, because a lot of the uh, iterations, it's just Batman like fighting, fighting people, punching with cool people stuff with and cool cars. gadgets and uh, yeah but you hardly see him in his like detective mode yeah. which he is right he is he is. Yeah. he is I mean in the comic he's the world's greatest detective I mean, I don't Sherlock know. Holmes. No, no. <laughs> I mean, in the world of DC Comics, yes. he is the world's greatest detective. You know, he is the guy that you know he investigates crime scenes and then slowly traces us back to who did it and to to pit him against that one villain which is in this case Riddler mm-hmm. and to be played by Paul Dano I'm really excited for that part you know like Paul Dano is a really reliable actor yeah. in that case I do I do see uh, like certain parts of Seven yep. that can yep, yep, be yep. inserted if this yep, yep, is yep. a detective-ish kind of movie yep. I, I yeah. hope it's more psychological than we gave it more credits for because mm-hmm. I think you know um, we certainly don't want to see like another big scale Batman movie again although I mean none of us would mind but I think this is much smaller very indie take on Batman which I really I mean even Matt Reeves said even Matt Reeves said he said it's a it's by and large it's very much an investigative detective film that happens to have Batman that happens to take place in Gotham it's a murderous story that happens to take place takes place in Gotham which the way he describes that Kind of like gave me like confidence. Okay, this guy knew what canvas is he is he is he playing around, and I'm mm, mm. kind of glad. I mean, Matt. I mean, Matt Reeves is really really solid filmmaker up yep, to this yep, point, yep. and for him taking on Batman is really quite cool. I guess you know. Yeah. Uh, what what's your thing that you're looking oh, forward to? I'm thinking of ending things, which uh, is like coming out very soon. That would that would be out, on my list as well. Yeah, 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 coming out like next Friday, I believe, like sep- the first week September. And yep, I've yep. seen some early reviews have been already been calling it some of the year's best film, which I'm like, okay, <laughs> in like Co- I mean, in Kaufman we trust. Yeah, yeah, in like all these like words like Kaufman has defied genre convention or something like that without ever going through the reviews myself. I mean, seeing like phrases like this being thrown at that film, and okay, I'm 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 game. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm really really so excited for the film. Charlie Kaufman is someone I would feel that can go up against Nolan in terms of machinations mm, of plot. Yeah. Because Kaufman yeah. is someone that writes about uh, dreams and yes. bending time and uh, time travel as well. And I feel like at certain, at some point, you know, because Kaufman is like a writer by trade, mm. he does it a little bit better than Nolan. Yeah. That relies a lot on big terms, big... Uh, 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 analogies, uh, but Kaufman he relates it back to a human experience instead, right? Yes, so, very uh, internally yeah. explored. Yeah, yeah but yeah. we're not gonna pit Nolan and Kaufman <laughs> in the same time. Same time. Yeah, they are of the same. I mean, they are of a very very different caliber. Yeah, of yeah. Filmmaking, but nonetheless, imagine, Kauf- imagine if Charlie Kaufman wrote Tenet. I wonder what would that be like. It wouldn't be okay. I mean, it would be a very entertaining uh, uh, notion to think about. I mean, I know certainly it won't be a spy movie. It'll be a something else entirely. But I would see. I mean, Kaufman. I would see Kaufman deal with. I would love to see Kaufman deals with time and space and mm-hmm. reality. Um, yeah, it's it's big ideas. Yeah, big ideas really. Uh, yeah, great movie as well. Uh, yeah. two great ones that we're definitely looking forward to. Yeah. 
Um, other than that, uh, this is basically the end of our yeah. non-spoiler. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. We hope it intrigues you enough to go and watch the movie. Yeah. And uh, you know, after you watch it, please do come back because we will do a spoiler-free review yep. where we will tackle everything that we can. Um, yeah. yeah, other than that, uh, uh, thank you. Then I think the next time you hear us, we'll be surely be talking about I'm thinking of ending things. I'm, I'm very, very convinced. Yeah, we will definitely yep. try and uh, watch that and give our take as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, we are going to end it here. And uh, <coughs> thank you for listening so far. My name is Gary. And my name is Derek. And we'll see you for the next one. All see right. you. Bye.